Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. The fighting men of America. They're the only thing we have between us and the darkness, a thousand years of darkness, if not forever. Welcome to the Savage Nation. It's the morning after the night before. It's been quite a three-day experience here. People think that events happen on their own. I've been planning this for six weeks. We had the Event last night, being a conservative in uh, liberal San Francisco. Beautiful crowd. All of you who were there, thank you very much for attending. And uh, we're going to play a few little sound bites from the event. And those of you who wanted to be there but couldn't or want to just get the video because you live out of state, you can get it at SavageNationLive.com. It'll be available in about two days. It's being edited now. There are some remarks in it that I didn't like, and there are some remarks in it that are stupid that I didn't make. Teddy, Teddy got up and took the microphone for a while. I'm sorry, dog talk just didn't work. Had a wonderful time. I'm exhausted. You know, three days, didn't sleep for three nights. My electricity is back on north of San Francisco. Uh, the last few days, I've been broadcasting from San Francisco. And I understand the sound quality is actually better in, in that apartment studio. Would you believe it? I used to use that studio for over 10 years. And then I didn't use it. I just become, I don't want to go there. But now I was there, it was great. I love broadcasting out of the city. I like going to Subway for a sandwich. That's the kind of expensive lunch I like. That's a real power lunch is a foot-long sandwich. They should advertise on the show, by the way. But getting back to the event, it was phenomenal. It was great. I want to talk about the news a little bit and then go into some of the sound bites. And I guess I'll begin with an important story, which is the Armenian genocide, because there was a vote in Congress yesterday 
of course, denoting and condemning the Armenian genocide. Many of you don't know what that is. We've heard about the Holocaust against the Jewish people, where six million Jews were killed by the Nazis. But did you know that there was a systematic extermination and expulsion of 1.5 million ethnic Armenians by the Ottoman Turks who were Muslims? I'm not blaming all Muslims, but you have to understand it's part of the religion. I know you don't want to hear it. I'm not supposed to say it. But my brain hasn't been washed sufficiently to have forgotten history. 1914 to 1923. You know how they started that genocide against the Armenian people after World War I? It started by picking on 235 to 270 Armenian people who were community leaders and intellectuals. They wound up murdered. It's exactly what the communists did in Vietnam. It's exactly the communist playbook, the fascist playbook. Doesn't matter which side of the aisle. This is how it works. The genocide against the Armenians uh, was implemented in two phases. Killing of the able-bodied male population through massacre and subjugation. Subjection of army conscripts to forced labor. Followed by the deportation of women, children, and the elderly on death marches leading to the Syrian desert. Driven forward by military escorts, the Armenian deportees were deprived of food and water and subjected to periodic rape, robbery, and massacre. It's a horrible story that the world should remember for a thousand reasons, and if I have to explain to you why, uh, then I'm not doing a good enough job by talking about it. And it's a very depressing topic, I admit. It's not a ha-ha topic. If this Omar, Ilhan Omar, who if she is not an enemy within, I'd like to know what defines an enemy within. Here is a woman who has attacked this nation for the day she was given asylum from a stinkhole country called Somalia. Remember Somalia, Black Hawk Down, where the vermin in the streets of Somalia dragged their men through the streets and butchered them to death? Ilhan Omar was given asylum in this country. She's now a congresswoman. She voted present on the resolution recognizing the Armenian genocide. Present. She didn't vote in any other way. But that's not the whole story. That's not the whole story. Guess who voted no on the record on the Armenian genocide? This is odd. Republicans Mike Rogers, Alabama, James Baird, Indiana, Susan Brooks, Indiana, Greg Pence, Indiana, Larry Bouchon, Indiana, Andy Harris, Virginia, uh, Andy Harris, Maryland, Virginia Fox, North Carolina, Mark Meadows, great guy, North Carolina, Tom Cole, Oklahoma, Kevin Brady, Texas, and Mark Mac Thornberry, Texas. Why would they vote no? Why would Republicans vote no on H Resolution 296 affirming the United States record on the Armenian genocide? I, for the life of me, do not understand this. That's one story. I think I've told you the whole story. I don't want to harp on genocides. It's a very depressing topic for any American to contemplate a genocide. And without elaborating any further, I think that's enough, okay? Uh, what else happened that's in the news that's a little off the beaten path that you wouldn't hear on Jumbo Jim's show? Jumbo Jim is three hours of Trump support. I guess he needs the support. It's fine. But, I mean, if you heard it once, you've heard it twice, you heard it 50,000 times, 15 hours a week is a little much. You could wind up biting your tongue off listening to Jumbo. But to each his own. Let everyone do what they want. Judge strikes down gun laws passed after synagogue massacre. Came out. In the, I didn't see this in the American press. 
I saw it in the Jerusalem Post. Pennsylvania judge struck down ordinances placing restrictions on some firearms passed by the Pittsburgh City Council in the wake of the attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue building that left 11 worshipers dead. Allegheny County Judge Joseph James ruled on Tuesday that the gun ordinances violated Pennsylvania state law that prohibits individual municipalities from regulating the ownership or possession of guns or ammunition. Maybe Gavin Newsom could follow this one a little more closely. The next time his megalomania kicks in. You know, unbelievable to me. The legislation uh, that was passed by this city was challenged by three organizations, Firearm Owners Against Crime, Firearm Policy Coalition, Inc., and Firearm Policy Foundation, as well as three private individuals. I don't want to go into the gun story, but it was overturned by a judge who recognizes that municipalities have no right to regulate the Second Amendment. It's only regulated by Congress. The idiots, maybe one day they'll understand how this government works in this country. But on to bigger things. So let's go to bigger things. So did the show last night. I can tell you where it was now at the San Francisco University Club because I'm not there anymore. There was no incident. No idiots came to protest because they didn't know where it was, I guess. Or who knows why? They weren't there. No one bothered us. It was beautiful. I love the location of this club, and I love the history of it. It was built in 1909. You want to hear an interesting story about why private clubs were built to begin with, not just in San Francisco but in other cities? There's a book they put out on the history of it. I love looking at pictures of antique pictures, the garotypes or early photographs of basically men at dinners in those uh, parties. Not that I have anything against women, but it's mainly men. So why, do, why were clubs created? At that time, there were many good restaurants in the city of San Francisco as there were in, else, you know, in other places. But clubs were created, private clubs were created so that after dinner speeches could be given to men who wanted to get together for dinner and listen to a talk. You couldn't do it in a restaurant, which was, you know, noisy in public. So they created their own private dining clubs. You understand how it works? This club happens to have great food. And um, I'm I'm an after-dinner speaker. Not many people have the capacity to do after-dinner speeches anymore or pre-dinner speeches. It's a lost art because of television, radio, canned stuff, garbage. Everything is canned. It's airsots. It's fake. It's really an art form to be able to do it. Luckily for me, I'm an antiquarian. I love to collect old books, old paintings, older cars, and uh, such. And this club is old, 18, 1909. Everything is like antique. It's like walking inside an antique building. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sneezing, whatever. The air is so dry out here. That's why we have the fire problem. God, I wish it would rain. I should do a rain dance during the break. Did I ever tell you I once did a rain dance for a couple that was infertile and they had a baby soon thereafter and they thanked me? for making the woman fertile. I know I had nothing to do with that part of it, but I actually did a rain dance for them. Way back in the hippie days, I actually did a rain dance. She tried to conceive and couldn't. I have lost touch with the folks. I hope they're doing well. The boy has grown up now. He's an older man, but it's interesting how spiritual things work. And then we're going to talk about that, but I want to play a little bit of the savage toast to the fighting men of America again because... They were there. I I couldn't identify them. There were about 10 tables of 10 people in this dining room. Try to imagine it. Then the back of it, there was a place called the Black Cat Bar. The Black Cat Bar is one of the hidden treasures of San Francisco. It's one of the reasons I joined the club, which is in that club, they have the archives of the old 
San Francisco Press Club, which lost its building a number of years ago, and the management of this club got all of the memorabilia of the San Francisco Press Club and put it here in this bar. And you see pictures of Dwight the Eisenhower speaking at the club and others. You know what I'm saying? It's an amazing story of San Francisco right there. And frankly, I'm very proud to be a member of this club. I mean, it's, despite my bad jokes, uh, it is quite an interesting place in terms of history and perspective. I love the location because when I'm in that building and I hear the trolley cars going by right under, under the window, and they gave me a lovely antiquated room. I couldn't sleep in it for two minutes, but I, I used it for resting in, in between the clanging and the banging and the ranging and the danging. It was so antique It was so beautiful. I was on the second story looking down at life going by. I heard people screaming on the trolley cars, having fun. I didn't sleep there. I went home to my own place after that. But it's right next to the Fairmont Hotel, if you know where that is. It's below it on Powell Street on a railroad, tr on a, a trolley track. So you really feel like, you're, you know, every city has a center, right? New York has Times Square, right? New York has Times Square. I don't know what you'd call the center of San Francisco, but to me when I'm here and I hear the trolley cars going by and I look up California Street, I look down Powell to Fisherman's Wharf, I feel like I'm in the center of San Francisco. It's a beautiful part of town. I don't get there that often, but it's an interesting place. So... I opened it by toasting the, I really didn't, I closed it by toasting the fighting men of America because of the 10 tables of 10 people, there was one table that I instructed the videographer not to photograph and they will not be identified. They are active duty special operatives in the U.S. military, the greatest guys, the backbone of America. I was so proud that they came with their wives. Let's have a round of applause for them. Well, they were there and I made a point of not pointing them out. Great guys, I love them. I had an opportunity last December to speak at their Christmas party up in uh, Benicia. What a great night that was. You see some of these old warriors from the Korean War still living, walking around with their uniforms on with all of their dress medals. What a thing for a civilian like me to be in the presence of such heroes. Amazing. But the point is that what I said in my toast to the fighting men of America is more true today than it's been in my entire lifetime. Can we play it again, Robert, number one? To the fighting men of America, they're the only thing we have between us and the darkness, a thousand years of darkness, if not forever. To the fighting men of America. Now, I want you to tie that in with the Armenian genocide, the genocide against the Jewish people, and you'll understand what I mean by that. Back in a minute. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a Purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The Purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. 
It ends up giving you the zero-gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free at-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Message and data rates may apply. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. It is the Savage Nation. I don't have a real hangover. I'm a little tired, that's all, from the fires and not sleeping and running around, apartment, house, back and forth, tension of the event, up, down, this and that. But it's interesting what you're capable of when you have to do it. I don't care what your age is. When you have to do something, if you're motivated to work as I've been motivated to work by immigrant parents, you can do it. It's the funniest thing in the world. You know, you stop fetching, so... Don't miss it. Savage makes rare public appearance. Life as a conservative in Psycho Lib San Francisco. Get your streaming access at SavageNationLive.com. So I've posted a single picture. And there's Teddy. In this one picture, we capture me, the Prada shoes. I wear them only at events. I wore them only once before. I'm not boasting. I bought these show shoes. And I only wore them once before at a, at a speech in, in Beverly Hills two years ago at the Horowitz Freedom Center. Now, Teddy is next to my right foot, smiling away, although as sick he was, blind, deaf. He was great. When we held him up in the middle of the show, people loved him. He's been the mascot of this show, as you know, for all these 16 years. And behind me, you can see the city of San Francisco, the lights. It's beautiful. It's like, you know how one picture sometimes captures a mood? This one that did it. And above me, there's some script in Latin that I can't read very well. God, I hope it's not a dirty thing. I don't know what this is, something in Latin, but... And I did spill a glass of champagne on my suit and shirt while talking about my being banned in Britain. Somewhere in the middle of the show, uh, I got so worked up that I spilled a glass of champagne down my right or left sleeve. I don't remember. I got so worked up. And uh, I, I had to laugh because our, my grandfather was a tailor. I never met him. Immigrant tailor died young. But I remember hearing from my father that if you have a good suit, if you spill anything on it, it'll really run right off the the. the the clothing it did it, it ran off the sleeve it didn't ruin the sleeve it's a little crinkled up a little crinkled up you say well why don't you have it clean big shot i don't like to clean suits too many times because it ruins the suit you understand that or not well anyway let's not go into into fabric we don't have to go into fabric so i spilled the champagne big deal so let's go to the opening jokes about the cl- do we have time here or is another break coming up i'm gonna i'm gonna cl- i'm gonna collapse here don't you understand how this works, why I like doing something live, which you'll see on the videotape? It takes a while to build up to a point. It takes you a while. You've got to build up. You've got to get the audience following you. Then you go from there to the next. And the next thing is you're talking about turkey neck. Now, there's nothing wrong with a, tr- a product that treats turkey neck. But I've got to tell you, it's very hard to jump cut from a thing like this to turkey neck. And God bless the sponsor. Uh, or, or male impotency, or baldness remedies. 
But that's what radio is today. Baldness, impotence, turkey neck. And if it wasn't for them, there'd be no talk radio at all. All it would be is around the clock. Jake Empty Head Tapper. Jake Empty Head Tapper, the, const- the construct of the uh, media. If you were there last night at the event, and you want to call into the show and tell everyone what it was like to be around the people who were there and in that uh, club and at that speech, would you please call at 855-400-7282 right now and get online? The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Here is Juliana from Austin, Texas, raving about her amazing transformation thanks to Genucel. She raves about how the cream made her jaw and neck and body parts look great, and she recommends it for you. And it's your turn to see results, guaranteed and best of all, it's risk-free. Chamonix is clearing out their inventory before the holiday season. You order Genucel jawline treatment with MDL technology packed with natural peptides that target the annoying, ugly turkey neck, and you get the classic Genucel for bags and puffiness absolutely free. And for results in 12 hours, the Genucel immediate effects is also free. It's a once-in-a-year offer. It's backed by their 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee. So call 800-SKIN-891 or go to www.genucel.com. Order now for a surprise luxury gift with your order. 800-SKIN-891, 800-SKIN-891 or genucel.com. That's genucel.com or 800-SKIN-891. Johnny! I used to love Johnny Mathis. He was great. Where is he today? Where is he today? The way of all flesh, that's where he is. You know, I, I told a, a, an anecdote in passing about I love looking at old pictures of old restaurant pictures of people who were there or clubs. Wherever I am, I, you see on a wall picture like 50 years ago, there's a group of men sitting around smiling all in the prime of their life, cigars, cigarettes, drinks on the table, food. I look carefully at the... And they're all dead. And she so said, what they're all dead, but you're not going to die. You're different. You're never going to be that man in the picture whose picture is being taken tonight at this event, but you're not going to be dead. They're dead, but you're not dead. You know, it's amazing how hard it is to be a human being with a consciousness, how hard it is to actually be. If you have a high consciousness and you can see past, present, and future, you know what I'm saying? Well, anyway, that's just a, a random thought. So if you were there last night, and why don't you call and tell us what it was like? We'll do that in a minute. But for those of you who weren't there or don't want to see the whole hour and some odd event, it's over an hour long, by the way. It begins with me walking up old stair- an old staircase built in the 1890 era, a creaky old staircase from my room on the second floor, into the venue on the third floor with the camera following me, sort of like going into an arena. It is like going into an arena. Ask anyone who does public speaking. It's walking into an arena. I don't care what field you're in. You're going into an arena. It's not exactly a combat sport, but it's a mental combat in any case. So let's hear the opening jokes from last night's uh, e- event. And again, if you'd like to join that, and it'll be up in two days at SavageNationLive.com. Let's listen. Well, good evening. As Groucho Marx said... I would never join a club that would have me as a member. <laughs> Look around and you'll see why he was right. <laughs> now, all kidding aside, it's a great club. Great club. Glad uh, all you wonderful people could be here. Well, tonight's topic is called Life as a Conservative in San Francisco. 
Again, look around. You'll see how you wind up if you're a conservative in San Francisco. This is it, if you're lucky. <laughs> Just kidding. You great people are wonderful. Great night ahead. I love the University Club. San Francisco University Club. In fact, I was here the night Donald Trump was elected in 2016. I put on a party for 50 people. We thought he was going to lose. We watched the returns coming in. We never thought he'd win. It was the biggest turnaround we had ever seen. Unbelievable. And here we are. And uh, I, I, want, I hope you enjoyed your dinner tonight. I want to thank the club for hosting us this evening, especially the club, club president. He, he broke a 100-year tradition by bringing in a conservative. I said, are you sure? <laughs> now, if you look at the back of the club, in the black hat room, you'll see the memorabilia from the San Francisco Press Club. There once was a press in San Francisco. That's right. That's before it became another story. We don't have a press in San Francisco, do we? Uh, what we have is a propaganda ministry uh, of, let us say, the Democrat machine that permits bums to strike you in the street with a golf club uh, or defecate on the sidewalks and then tells you everything's fine. When I first came here, we had two newspapers, 1974 Chronicle Examiner, Totally different story. Savage. It's true. I know the city very well. I know the city very well. I know the bay. I know the mountains. I know the alleys. I know the sidewalks. I know the basements. I know the attics. And I don't mean the A-D-D-I-C-T-S attics. I mean the attics, A-T-T-I-C-S, in the Queen Anne fronts and Mary Anne behinds. That's what I, I remember when I came here. I was looking at houses. Couldn't afford one. And there was a realtor who was very funny, great droll sense of humor. And he said, here in the city, we call this <clears throat> a Queen Anne front and a Mary Anne behind. It was hilariously funny. It's still true. I mean, a false facade of a building. The whole city is really basically this is that way. That's what that's why we love it. It's so quaint. It's a it's a it's a Queen Anne front and a Mary Anne behind the whole city, which is OK. Depends what you like. I mean, if you like Mary Anne, you got Mary Anne. If you like Queen Anne, you got Queen Anne. It depends on what, what, you, what you prefer, what your preferences are. So um, if you were there last night, we got a lot of people who want to, you know, let's take some callers. Uh, we got one man and a lot of women. Okay, Judy in Vallejo, you're up on the Savage Nation. You were there last night. Describe it for the general audience around the country and around the world. Yes, it was wonderful, Michael. The club was fabulous. I loved it. And... The people that were actually guests, you know, at the event, I walked into the bar, and one of them was so friendly, and he was with a group of people. He actually was with the, the uh, was it Wine Country Marines, and he, I think he said he was with you at dinner when the power went out in Tiburon. So he oh, yes, me yes, yes. A great guy. He's a friend of mine, Brian. So I was right in front of you. I gave you the picture of my dog. With uh, aren't you a nurse? Didn't life. you say? Aren't you? Didn't you say you're a nurse? Yes, I am. And what are you? Oh, you're a cardiac nurse. I was in the heart. I worked in the heart unit and met one of your friends that you mentioned. I told you about. Who? who yeah, I remember the lawyer. Yes. Yes. Uh, and and you're also an ex hippie, right? I an ex what? Ex hippie. Yeah. What a, what a memory. Yes. Well. More like a rock and roll type because I worked for Bill Graham at um, Fillmore. Oh, that's right. You were in the hippy-dippy Bill Graham world. That must have been exciting and crazy. Three. Yes. So, and my... Okay, so stop. Wait a minute. This is interesting. You worked for one of the great rock and roll entrepreneurs, Bill Graham. 
You've lived in this area for how many years now? So, but you're. I'm sorry, she didn't hear me, Jim. Please modify, modulate, stop. How many years have you been living in the San Francisco area? You are hysterical. She's not hearing me, Jim. Oh, she's not listening. Okay. Why don't you play Misty for me? Uh, then we can go on to the next caller. This is starting to sound like the Clint Eastwood movie. I did a lot of, like, really sarcastic put-down jokes about the club last night. I was a little worried because I was laughing at them in the middle of the night when I wrote them. They're, they're grade A comedy. And uh, do we have any of the jokes? Not the politicians. How about the jokes about the food? Uh, let, let's play clip three for a minute because the, if it was a New York side of the uh, country, it would be one thing. The audience would understand what it is. I wasn't sure that they were grim listening to these things. I thought they would get, get offended. Let's listen to three. But tonight's topic is life as a conservative in San Francisco. So let's define our terms. What is a conservative? I don't even like the term. I never did. I never liked the Comedy. word conservative. Turn off conservative. I don't want to hear the word. Can I do my jokes? Don't we have any of the jokes in one of them? It, it goes all, You have to go through that to get there? Nah. How about the jokes about the politicians who couldn't make it? Let's run clip four. Let's see what that one sounds like. Now, there were some politicians who were invited tonight who couldn't attend. Governor Newsom regrets he couldn't be here tonight, but with the fires up in the wine country, he was working on creating state-run butcher shops to sell a roadkill. <laughs> Congresswoman Pelosi sent her regrets. She is traveling the nation right now, supervising construction of new star chambers where she can hold secret hearings against her political uh, enemies. Her Washington, D.C. star chamber has been so successful being run by Adams Apple Schiff that she is thinking of making him CEO of the National Organization of Secret Hearings, NOSH. <laughs> Diane Feinstein would uh, have liked to attend, but uh, she sent an email saying she's busy working on new government military contracts. Luckily, she has her loyal husband to help her with the paperwork. Being a military contractor, he helps speed the process along. We invited the mayor of San Francisco, but nobody knows her name. It's the only big city in the nation with a mayor nobody ever heard of. Now, it's, it's very clever of the Democrat machine when you think about it. An invisible mayor who nobody can blame for anything. Very smart. I invited Mark Zuckerberg who sent an email saying he regrets he can't be here. He's busy with a new plan to spy on us from cradle to grave using some sort of facial distortion software. I understand from friends inside his company that he may actually be here in disguise spying on us. Is the bartender still here? It could be Mark for all I know. How are Mark's drinks? Were they small racetrack size shots or were they generous? That's what I want to know. Why do you guys cut off? Can you tell Doug to redo this and remaster it and put the laugh, the laughter in and let it run? I mean, if you if you know how to produce sound, what you do is leave the laughter in. That's part of the piece. Do I have to teach everybody everything? Yes. This is going on six weeks now. I've had to micromanage everything. I'm ready to. I need a vacation. Believe me, I need a vacation. But I'm not going to take one. Uh, San Francisco, uh, Alex, line two. Go ahead. You're on the Savage Nation. Yes. Hi, hi, Michael. I, I just wanted to say I had an incredible time. It was so wonderful to actually meet you in person. Um, I had you autograph uh, an old book of yours, The Earth Medicine, Earth Food. Oh my God, that goes back a long time. I was amazed you had that book. Yeah, so I heard about it on your show. You were 1972, that book was published, and I remember to this day, the, day I was, the days I was writing it, I was a graduate student, and I'd be up until midnight some nights researching and writing that book until my, my 
major professor called me in, in my office, my cubicle, and he said, why don't you go home to your wife? You've been working too late. I remember it to this day. Boy, some things come back to you. Yeah. No, it was, it was really a, a wonderful uh, treat. Let me tell you, Alex, if hard work killed you, I would have been dead 50 years ago. I think hard work is a salvation, Alex, and I thank you for, uh, for being with us uh, last night. Joan in Vallejo, you're on the Savage Nation. Were you there last night? Michael, I was there last night. The anticipation of your entrance into the room, the way that was choreographed, was fabulous. And the way you described your trip on the Trump plane down from Portola Valley down to Beverly Hills, and when you were taken into Trump's office on the plane and how he just, like, raised his, pointed his finger uh, for you to sit. All <laughs> right. When, when he went like he pointed to a chair, he didn't even look at me. He didn't even say sit. He just pointed, right? Right, right. And we had to see. But what was the line that I used that my military friends loved particularly? I said when I was ushered into Air Force One, into the uh, Oval Office in the sky, I think I could say this. The president didn't even acknowledge me because he was a little pissed at me, he just pointed to the chair next to his desk. It was like, it, it was, it, it, I had a recollection of an ancient king saying, bring the Hebrew in, you know, that kind of thing. I think that was a funny line. A lot of people like that one. Bring the Hebrew in. You get the joke, Joan? Everybody, everybody laughed. You had great jokes last night. You said things that were serious and meaningful. It was just, a fabulous evening. Joan, can I send you a videotape copy of the event? Would you like to have that to, to yes, look at? Yes, please. Uh, take Joan's email address. Everyone else can get it at SavageNationLive.com. It'll be available in two days when we get through augmenting the, uh, the laughter. I'll be right back. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. Well, the electricity's back on down here where I live. Some parts of the state, Governor Newsom uh, allowed them to flow some electricity to give us some hope. He'll turn it off when he decides a little later. You know, they can control it in any community they want, on, off. It's like Poland. I feel like I'm living in the Eastern Bloc before Glasnost. I mean, we need Reagan to come along and knock down the wall that these liberals live behind. They all live behind walls, don't they? They turn our electricity off, but... Their electricity never goes off. It's like living in the third world in this state today. And it's sad it's the most beautiful place on earth, still most beautiful place. So we've been talking about the um, Life as a Conservative and Liberal San Francisco event last night. And if you want to hear news and stuff like that, I'm going to do that in the next hour. But that's boring, basically. You've all heard it all before. I do have a few good sound bites for the next hour that you're not going to want to miss. Bernie Sanders scolding a reporter for saying Democratic Socialist too much uh, and, and Bernie getting very uptight about being uh, labeled as a Democrat Socialist when that's the label he's been using ever since he appeared on the national scene. He gets very defensive. I mean, this guy is really the best. I didn't get around to doing a Bernie Sanders uh, imitation last night. I should have done that. But, you know, what can you do in an hour and 10 minutes? It was a beautiful night. I want to thank the San Francisco University Club. I want to thank all of those who attended the event last night being such good sports and especially those that I ridicule like the food service and the food <laughs> you gotta hear some of these jokes they were killer and they were funny and they were meant in good taste the Westwood One Podcast Network 
fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Savage Nation, hour two. At the 34-minute uh, mark, we have Pat Buchanan on to talk about what he thinks is coming with the uh, presidential election. I agree with him, by the way. Fascinating article. I like Pat. He's really smart. He's one of the grand old men of the, um, I wouldn't say so much the conservative movement, although he is. He really knows what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Now, I want to begin with something not to do with my event. I, I was going through old notes. I have lots of old notes, and pages and boxes of important notes for my library, the Savage Presidential Library, wherever that will be one day. Probably high on a hill on a fire trail somewhere in Agora Hills. I don't know where it's going to be probably wind up in a box somewhere with old photographs thrown into a fireplace by a descendant who's only looking for the money in the box. <laughs> you know, we all think that our grandchildren are going to revere us and love everything we did and spend their whole lives going through our artifacts. It doesn't work that way. They have their own lives to lead, you know what I'm saying? But uh, so I, I found something from the year 2000. It was written on February 5th, 2000 on the decline and fall of the American empire. I want to read this to you. It's two pages long. I don't know whether I was going to use this in a book or not, and it never made it. This was after eight years of Bill Clinton, the decline and fall of the American empire. Shortly after the war against fascism, having aligned itself too closely with the communist empire of Russia, the United States of America and its many foreign proxy states began the great slide towards world socialism and a godless universe. Now, remember, this is in the year 2000, before the Johnny Come Lately started to literally rip off my books and turn them into radio careers. Having conquered and occupied Germany and Japan, the Americans took on many of the systems and characteristics of the conquered. Conqueror compromised is conqueror. Comprom Let me read that in conqueror. This is in handwriting. It's in cursive. Conqueror compromised is conqueror conquered. That's very good. Conqueror compromised is conqueror conquered. Enjoying also the spoils of war, her people entered the land of plenty, losing slowly the virtues that gave her victory. Within 50 years of this conquest, in the morning of the new century, true heroes had been long cremated by envy and hatred of the noble. In place of the lean, strong men who had plowed her fields, then manned her machine guns and flew her fighting planes, there emerged the manufactured heroes, the drug-bloated cartoon muscles astride mental dwarfs who cavorted nearly naked before millions of screaming automatons, people driven stupid by a merciless and lifetime media onslaught of the perverse, the evil, the ill, and the obscure. So debased by the entertainment news corporations was the populace that drug addicts and other perverts who had self-infected were held up as victims of a too-virtuous ideal. 
There also arose toward the end of the century a type of politician, part Machiavelli, part actor, and part traitor, but lacking all other elements of a true prince. In the last decade of the dying century, an American president arose as a reflection of the debased, debauched, and dispirited. While tens of millions saw the shallow, mean, degenerate man as he was, with the orchestrated assistance of his creators, both in and outside the massive media, this man was able to hold sway over the nation and the world for nearly a decade. And in this decade of decadence, our epic begins to show absolute form. I guess those are notes for the beginning of something written in the year 2000. Oddly enough, it sort of is timeless. In some, in some ways, I'm sorry to tell you, as I read it, I mean, it could apply back, forth, forward, right? I mean, there's a lot there. It's written on February 5th, 00 in Larkspur, California. I, I'll use it someday, but it'll probably be stolen by one of the... Uh, Anyway, here we are on the Savage Nation, being conservative in San Francisco last night. Big event. 100 people. Lots of news stories. Let me go to michaelsavage.com and take a look at the stories that we posted today and see if you're interested in any of them. I uh, saluted the fighting men of America. New Jersey Dem signals he'll vote no on impeachment move. That's a Democrat. Democrats saying no on impeachment move. Already there's one that we know of. Omar the Terrible refuses to acknowledge the Muslim genocide against Armenians. She should be deported from America. That's not freedom of speech. That's freedom of treason. Yeah, yeah, she's enjoying freedom of treason because she wears a turban on her head. You understand that she uses the turban as a weapon? Do you get that or not? You understand that some people use their religion as a weapon? In my opinion, she uses her turban as a weapon. Explosion in Antarctic sea ice levels may cause another ice age. I said ice age, ice age, ice age. Famed pathologist Michael Baden says Jeffrey Epstein's death was homicide. Duh. I needed Michael Baden to tell me what I knew by common sense that they knocked him off in the jail. I had to wait till Michael Baden came out. He had a corned beef on rye and a pickle and a Dr. Brown's and it took three months, probably made $300,000. Million, $300, and I came to the conclusion that what everyone thought was true is 100% true. He was choked to death in a jail cell. State of Health report shows growing despair among American men. Gee, I wonder why with the radical femmes attacking men every day and the minority machine out there attacking white males. It's not a growing despair amongst American men. It's among, it's among a growing um, a despair among American white men. White men are being ripped to shreds in this sick society of ours. Here's Michelle Obama says white folks, white folks are afraid of living in black neighborhoods. Why didn't she analyze why? You all were running from us? Why does she go down to the gutter and make believe she's like a street person? She came from a middle class, upper middle class home. She was a spoiled person. Makes believe she's down. Okay, now we go down on Michael Savage. Now, Kyla Mueller's father glad that evil ISIS leader al-Baghdadi is gone. He raped her and then he killed her. And yet he's extolled by the Washington Post and Jake Emptyhead Tapper. MSNBC declares California wildfires caused by climate change, nothing else. What do you expect from, from empty heads? Across the board, scores drop in math and reading for U.S. students. No kidding. If you bring in illegal aliens who don't know English, how are they going to know mathematics? How can they know anything if they don't know the language? I guess that proves math is racist. Uh, Williamson focuses on reparations and first out of presidential campaign. She's a nutcase. I don't care what she thinks. 
Let's see. Archaeologists discover shock tunnel world hidden beneath Mexico City. Not interested. Anger rises as California utility imposes more blackouts. We're all pissed off. Never Trump a military vet paraded before Pelosi's star chamber. I'm not impressed with his uh, his heroics. I'm sorry. I told you I believe he's a Manchurian candidate. That's what it looks like to me. He's been in the first of all, he was born in the Soviet Union. He's of Ukrainian ancestry. It looks to me like he's a, a deep plant of the deep state, and he was activated along the lines of Timothy McVeigh when needed. End of story. I write novels. Pardon me for my flight of fancy. 1.1 million migrants crossed into U.S. in fiscal year 2019, nearly half a million families. Thanks, Donald. He should have stopped this. He tried. He tried. It was the crackpot judges who destroyed our borders. And now we're living with the consequences of a third world nation. It's sickening. It's sickening, but I don't want to get upset today. I got a bit of a migraine from working so hard to put on that event last night and doing my shows. Do you know anyone half my age who could do what I do? No. No, you don't. I'm a phenomenon. I'm a whirling dervish. Do you know what it's like to like be driven out of your house with a fire, run across the bridge, reconnect the studio, do a new show, and go shopping, get the sandwich, do a two-hour live radio show, then run over and do the thing there? No, no, I did. I'm, I'm feeling it today, though. I think it was the half a bottle of champagne that got to me. I shouldn't drink it all, but I, you know what? I'm not willing to give it up. It was good champagne. Thank God we're no longer boycotting French things. Well, I will never drink American champagne. I hate it. It's horrible. You get a sick sugar headache from that one. I only drink Dom when I drink it. I drink it twice a year, that's all. This was an old bottle I had in the refrigerator. So let's play a little of the fun. Do we have any of the jokes yet? You know, one of the serious moments last night was my fear of being banned from America, during which I got so worked up I spilled a glass of champagne on my arm and it, like, damaged the sleeve and the arm. I don't spill stuff, but I listened to this in clip uh, five. In 1974, when I moved here, as I was saying, there were two newspapers, The Chronicle, The Examiner. They were B-grade newspapers, but they were interesting. They had a diversity of opinion. We don't have a single newspaper anymore, really. It's one side, and that's about it. But as I've said many times, a bird needs two wings to fly, left wing and a right wing. You cut off the right wing or tie it up, that bird will crash. That's where we are today in America. They want to cut the wing off the other bird, not realizing this is one organism called America, and this bird will crash. So we're the, we're the bird that they want to tie up, the wing we want to tie up. And that's what I want to get across tonight. Uh, supposed to be a good night tonight, a fun night. And, of course, the speech I'm about to give you. Did I begin the speech? Well, I guess so. Whatever we're doing tonight will be recorded on the videotape and probably transcribed for the club and the club's minutes. So I have to be very cautious in what I say, as I already have not been. Well, getting back to the club, look around. What a beautiful, beautiful place this is. It goes back a long, long way. I don't mean to the gold rush, but soon thereafter, this beautiful building was put up here near the top of the hill. Great place, wonderful place. The food is fantastic, isn't it? Really great. The service couldn't be better. In fact, when you eat in the dining room, if you ever come here to eat in the dining room, you'll notice you can order the meal when you're a teenager, and it'll arrive when you're an adult. That's what I love about it the most. They cook the food in a kitchen, two floors below, and they bring it up to you in a dumbwaiter, and then a rolling cart. And by the time it's served, it's turned ice cold. I'm joking. No, the food is really great, but I wouldn't recommend it if you're in a rush. It's not a fast food restaurant. It's an older style club. In fact, there is a waiter in here who was so slow-witted that when he learned there was a dumbwaiter in the building, he asked for his phone number. 
Savage. That was a good line. I came up with that one only three nights ago. I was so laying in bed trying to think. I Actually, I wasn't thinking, let's write some funny jokes. Let's notice the let's. Uh, no, it's only one person here, me. I was laying in bed one night, and a lot of these jokes came to me out of my subconscious. It's very interesting how the creative process works, is if you have a, a, um, a funnel into your subconscious and you don't block it and you let it flow, it's an amazing experience. That's where all of the books and all the shows come from, by having an open conduit between my subconscious and my conscious mind. There's really one mind. I don't know why people say subconscious. You know, Freud said subconscious. Is there a therapist in the audience who still believes in it? They don't believe in this anymore. Now they drug any thought that you have that isn't controlled by the state or approved by the media. But uh, I'm one of those people who's from another universe where I believe what I think is, you know, what I think and what I feel are not two different things. Let me put it to you that way. I don't know that there's a dichotomy between thinking and feeling. Do you? I never understood why there has to be a dichotomy between what you think and what you feel. Aren't they one and the same thing? I don't know. Think about that one. To the Fighting Men of America, Savage and Teddy at a San Francisco event. Listen to the Savage Nation Live, 855-407-282. Is there anything in the news that you think is worth talking about? Reagan Library fired, danger, extreme warning, devil wins live. Not funny. 405 is closed down. All the roads coming off Mulholland Drive going down to uh, the 405 are closed off. I mean, it's a very serious problem. I understand Gavin Newsom is getting a new flak jacket to appear this afternoon in yet another outfit, and he's getting another haircut to appear down there. John Bolton to sit for impeachment deposition. I'm reading from the Drudge Report. Now, a lot of people are very concerned about the uh, Drudge Report. They think they own it. They think it's an arm of the government. As I said yesterday, (laughs) it's his website. He can put on what he wants. I put what I want on mine, right? And um, I don't know. What do you think Matt Drudge is trying to do by running his... I, I don't know whether to say anti-Trump. He's doing something. He's doing something and no one knows what it is. Everyone's talking about it. Even Jumbo Jim mentioned it. And I thought Jumbo and him were friends. I don't know. But Jumbo Jim even jumped in on the thing. Even he had to chime in on it. GDP 1.9%. Trump on 1.9% GDP in 2012 saying economy's in deep trouble. So I guess Drudge is trying to say, uh-oh, we're in deep trouble. You think so? I don't know. Are we in deep trouble? President's worst month in office was one of Pence's best. Steel tariffs were supposed to save industry. They made things worse. Manufacturing's now smaller share of economy in 72 years. Texas hit hard by shale slowdown. Does any of this matter? New Russian submarine test fires intercontinental missile for first time. Hits target thousands of kilometers away. You better get your borscht ready. It is the Savage Nation back in a minute. The Savage Nation. It's Savage on demand. It's not that bad. It's getting cleaner. It really is getting cleaner. I noticed there's something going on in the city. They must have cracked down on the business. I don't know where the bums. A lot of them have been driven. I don't know where they're sending them to. I read the other day that uh, the mayor of New York, the kind-hearted mayor, is shipping his bums to uh, Hawaii and other states. Would you believe it? A lot of them wind up flopping here in our city because the uh, moronic state gives them the benefits you cannot believe. I got to work to pay these filth to lay around in in the hot sun while I'm working. But anyway, I can't help it. If society starts to degenerate, there's nothing a single man could do, especially when you have corrupt politicians who use 
the wastrels of society uh, to augment the democratic socialism that they would like to introduce to all of us. And waiting in the wings is the old Seltzer man. Listen to this moron. But play seven. Here's Bernie Sanders. Listen to this moron. When I talk about democratic socialism, you want to talk about what does it mean? Let's be clear. What does it mean? It's not getting people overly nervous about it. No, no, no. What it means is that health care is a human right. Yeah, we got health care again. Not a very radical idea. We are the only I can major get the bum off my show. That does not. You know, Fidel Castro used the same exact line. That's how he came to power, selling health care. This filthy bum with a dirty suit with a tuna fish stain on his lapel is the most dangerous skunk that has ever appeared in the American political world. I hate Bernie Sanders because he makes believe he's not a destitute, a desperate, horrible man. He's the worst of all of them. And he's brainwashed the whole generation of drug addicted children. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered and raw. I have a guest on named Pat Buchanan. He's a very, very important man. He's been around long enough to know what's actually going on. Not only has Pat been a senior advisor to three presidents, but I remember in the year 2000, he actually ran for the presidency. He was a nominee of the Reform Party, and I was a, a host, as a local host on uh, KSFO. I remember when he came into the studio. It was a very, very interesting uh, uh, day for me. And without further ado, Patrick Buchanan joins us today on The Savage Nation. Pat, how are you today? Doing fine, Michael. How are you? You're still kicking it, huh? I mean, I didn't catch that, but how are the fires going out there? <laughs> well, don't worry. Governor Newsom's on it. He has a new outfit planned for this afternoon where he can go and talk about PG&E, not about the fact that he refused to let the uh, fire trails be cut through our sacred forests up here to uh, slow down the, uh, the motion of the fires. But I, I saw your article the other day. Is Trump facing a 1960s-style revolt? I thought it was brilliant. Would you please tell the savage audience what your basic theme is? Well, the basic theme is, look, around the world we see in places like Beirut, Santiago, Chile, Barcelona, Paris, Hong Kong, uh, even Baghdad. I mean, riots, people going into the streets, enraged over what's going on in government, and unwilling to really abide, if you will, by democratic rules and regulations. I mean, marches and demonstrations, free speech, free assembly, and the rest of it, to alter policies. And what we're moving toward is sort of a general civil disobedience by folks who believe their cause is so important, mm-hmm. they don't have. They can dispense with the regular rules and regulations of a country, a society, mm-hmm. a democracy. And an example in here in D.C., uh, they dragged a boat into the middle of the street at 16th and K, mm-hmm. blocked the traffic during rush hour. And this is the most liberal city in the world, or indeed in the in the West right now. And here we got leftists. We're shutting down commuter traffic in the most liberal city in the United States and inconveniencing their own people. And it seems to me it may be a harbinger of what is to come. And what was the boat for, about global warming and rising sea levels? That was their, their point? That's exactly right, rising sea levels. Are- and did, any, did, anyone say, did anyone scream at them and tell them to get off the road? Did anyone try to get them off the road? It was the, the cops finally used bolt cutters and things. It was a good size. This wasn't a rowboat. This was a good-sized boat in the middle of the street, like a small tugboat. Oh, God. Well, Pat, where is this going to lead? What does this actually do to the middle, of, the middle of the road people in the country? I think what it does is what it did in the 1960s, and that's why I referred back. Uh, I remember Lyndon Johnson won this gigantic landslide, 44 states over Goldwater. 
and he was the great uniter, and he had his great society. By 1968, he couldn't visit a campus without a violent demonstration. You had disorders and demonstrations and urban riots. And what happened was that middle America rose up and said, you know, uh, it's, it's time to cut this out. And they turned in mass to Richard Nixon, who had won by 60, I mean, 43% of the vote in 1968. By 1972, he had won 61, 62%, 49 states to one over George McGovern, the candidate of the counterculture. So that was a reaction to the, the left-wing riots in America, and you, you think this could happen again. You also referred to the, to me, this, this mass rapist and genocidal maniac, Big Daddy, I call him. It's easier than saying what his name was. It's a way of my disrespecting him anyway. So Trump orders the mission, and they kill Big Daddy. Big Daddy is killed. Baghdadi, Big Daddy. And Trump gets almost no credit for this from the vermin in the media. What's that about, Pat? It's the, uh, the hatred and hostility for Trump. You could cut it with a knife. It's far greater. I was in the Nixon White House every single day of that presidency. Mm. Nixon was one of the most reviled and hated men of the 20th century. <laughs> oh, God. His getting is far worse. He gets it every day. We've got what, Pat, what were you doing in the Nixon White House? You were a speechwriter? I was a speechwriter and advisor. I'd been with Nixon for three years before he ran for president. I was the first one that joined his staff back in 1965-66 when he was practicing law in New York and had been written off after a series of defeats and routes and was considered, in some cases, a laughable figure. Mm. And by 1968, the loser of the early 60s was taking the oath of office as President of the United States. I hope that that's not a harbinger of some one on the left possibly coming out of nowhere. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, it, it just dawned on me, what if this crumpled-suited Seltzer man, Bernie Sanders, pulls it off? Where would we be then? Well, wherever he'd be in, in, uh, in two years, you'd have both houses of Congress turn Republican. I believe this, you know, Michael, I'm, I'm different than some of the folks back here. You take a look at Elizabeth Warren's agenda. They're not going to pass that agenda. I mean, even a Democratic Congress is not going to inaugurate the spending of all that money and the seizure of all that power. The backlash would be enormous. The reaction would be enormous. What they're doing is energizing this leftist movement, mainly young, mainly inexperienced, and has never really controlled or run anything. And they're all enthusiastic about the new socialism and the new radicalism and AOC. But we all know what happens when societies and countries like Venezuela are taken over by those ideas. And the American people are not going to be receptive to what Elizabeth Warren's recommending and what's being cheered by her crowds. No, I hope you're right. But yet, if we look ahead and you see this brainwashed generation of know-nothings, it's someone like her or worse than her who's liable to become elected within 10 years. Pat, that could happen. Well, they're going to have to take over the whole government. Their problem is that they, I mean, they, they can take it over and win the elections, I agree, given the trends in the country. But countries, you can't run countries on those principles. Everyone that's been tried has failed. I mean, you go down, look at the Argentina tried that. Now they've got the, the Peronistas back. But, you know, they're going to default on their own debts. So, I mean, I see... Yeah, but these, but Pat, these children, like the half-human, uh, half-donkey, half-person, half-cortex, 
I don't call her occasional cortex. I call her occasional cortex because that's all she's got functioning. And yet she has a large following of people who put on lipstick and nail polish every day and the boys who want to be girls who follow her who don't know that she doesn't know what she's talking about. They all vote, Pat. That's the problem, and there's a lot of them. Well, they are. And the difference with the 60s, when the elites on the campuses who tore up the campuses and fought the cops and fought in the Chicago riot and, and all the rest of it, they voted too, but there weren't enough of them then. That's why Nixon and Agnew were able to crush them in 1972, the great silent majority. But you are right here. They are far more in number than they were then. These are the children and grandchildren of the 1960s rebels, and they are and they are numerous. But I still don't think they're sufficient, first, to win the presidency of the United States, and secondly, if they did take both houses of Congress and implemented their agenda, there would be a disaster in the American economy and there'd be a backlash, just as there was in the 1960s. Pat, let me ask you this. You're in the White House with Nixon, the most hated president up to that time. The hatred for Trump is, is, is magnitudes worse than Nixon. Isn't that true? Sure. I mean, that's why I started. Look, he killed this, this ogre, this awful human being that sat there and serially raped an American woman before he killed her. And they, the special forces took him out. And Trump ordered it, bravely ordered it, and it was a massive success. Yes. Two Americans mildly wounded and one dog wounded. And he goes out to the ball game, and you'd expect a round of applause. And you get lock him up and impeach Trump and a whole sweeping, uh, a sweeping stadium of booze. Pat, who do you think is misadvising the president? You certainly wouldn't have told him to go to, the, to a baseball game in a city that's so hostile to him. Would you have? Well, no, I would not have told him to go to that stadium. He, but, you know, I can understand how he might have thought those that advised me not to go were mistaken because we had the great victory this morning, so I'm going to go ahead. So, but yeah, I, but see, that's, that's the problem with a well, leader. You, you, know, you know the leadership mind better than I do. They generally don't listen to people around them, do they? Well, no, they're... Very, <laughs> they, look, Michael, they've got to the presidency, and they look at these people around them, and they say... Those guys didn't make it, and I did. Maybe I right. know more than they do. Right. They know more than everyone else, and that's the downfall. That's where hubris comes in. But I do think he needs an advisor who he doesn't have with an ear to the actual people out on the ground. And I've noticed myself, and I'm not putting anybody down. They're all good people. I don't think that they have their ear to the ground as well as they should, Pat. Well, some of them, some of them I think, do, but there's no question that I think the president has great confidence in his own instincts, and many times they turn out to be accurate when everybody else advised him the other way. A lot of folks thought he'd never make it. A lot of them thought his, the way he conducted his campaign was mistaken and, and was going to lead to certain defeat. And so the presidents build up confidence, and Donald Trump is a fellow who was not lacking in confidence from the beginning. Is he going to win? Well, no, let's start with what's now. Okay, Pelosi's crucifixion. That probably will result in, a, in an impeachment in the House. Is that the wise money on that one? I think so. Let me say my, my view is if the Democratic House doesn't impeach, the Democratic Party will come apart. Hmm. If the Republican Senate does not acquit, the Republican Party will come apart. Good point. Very well put. Well, that's the secondary question. Is this Republican Party not going to stab him in the back? Well, if the, 
if they stab him in the back, the next knife's going to be in their own back, and it's going to be delivered by the, I mean, the Trump, the Trump following, which is enormous, loyal, angry, and dedicated. And if the Republican Party should oust Donald Trump based on what we know now, I think the Republican Party would take him a long time to heal, and the people that did that would never again be considered for president of the United States. Pat Buchanan, I want to ask you something about the psychology of leaders, something I really don't know that much about. How much can a person take of hatred until they give up? How do they have the ability to put up with such hatred day and night and such lies that I have never seen anything on this magnitude in my entire lifetime? How does, a, how does a man live with it? I want to know what they, what they have inside of them to live with that kind of hatred. Well, you know, I was with the president. I mean, Ronald Reagan was disliked, and the establishment wanted to break him. But he was not hated as Nixon was hated. Mm. Nixon was constantly pounded in those last 18 months or 15 months or so. Mm. And it took its toll upon him personally. But Trump has gotten it from the day he was inaugurated, if not before. And he gets it every day. And the way he deals with it, he gets up. And he hits him right back in the face. And he's, he's unleashed. He so, so the tweeting is his controlled. So his tweeting is his defense mechanism. It's his way of punching back. Huh. But I agree with you. I don't know how you sustain something like that physically for three years. I, I could, you know, honestly, Pat, one man to the other, I couldn't take it. Where could I? I couldn't live with it. And, and this is what they count on is this constant. And I love it. The left is against shaming and against this and that. And that's all they do is shaming day and night. Pat Buchanan is still the man to read. Very important guest. He predicts that Trump may face a 1960s style revolt uh, from the left wing assault against him. And it may turn out that there'll be a landslide of Republicans in a reaction to what the left is doing, meaning taking over streets. Uh, taking over microphones. Isn't that more or less what you're suggesting, Pat? It is that. It's the kind of, I mean, uh, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I'm sure you were, you lived through those 60s all the way from Berkeley in 64 through the urban riots and through the <laughs> I know Berkeley well. I earned my PhD there in 78, but I'm older, I'm much older than that. <laughs> I hope you kept a low profile. <laughs> oh, I kept, no, I actually didn't. I'd love to go up to the tables of the leftists and yell at them. So, I find getting in the face of these leftists is the is the best uh, um, medicine there is. Basically, they're not used to having people do to them what they're doing to others. And they usually shrink away from people who open up their mouths on them. Honest to God. It's just a full-time job. Pat Buchanan, keep punching, Pat. We love your columns. Okay, my friend. You take it easy. Great man. Really, he's been at this so long, and he knows the history of the presidency. He is a really important writer. I'll be right back. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. Had a great time last night. It was very hard for me to get there and do that event. Took a lot to do. There were a lot of people who tried to make it work. Not easy. Teddy was there. Mrs. Savage was there. My son was there. And a and hundred great people who validated my existence and made me feel life is worth living all over again. Basically, I do radio. I'm sitting in a room alone with a microphone and screens, and I'm not complaining. I do it because I enjoy doing it, and I think it's important. But you need to get out from behind the screen and see human beings. And very large crowds are not that personal. A crowd of that size, like I had last night, 
is exactly perfect. And that's why, again, if you couldn't be there or you were there and you want a copy of it, it's at SavageNationLive.com. It should be ready for everyone to download on Friday. And uh, I, I mean, I told some jokes with a slow-witted waiter, which was funny. But the best jokes were about the food, incidentally, which I didn't get a chance to do. I mean, some of them were, were killer jokes. I wish I could find this. I did one about the dumb waiter. I'm actually looking through this again. Oh, here it is. Let's see if I can fit this one in. <clears throat> what I really liked tonight were the potatoes. Unbelievable. Oh, if you had French fries here, they were brought over during the potato famine in 1849. You've heard of russet potatoes. Well, these were not russet potatoes. These were rusted potatoes. Irish rust. Potato rust. Special deal. Luckily, they were preserved since 1849 in the basement of this club. Very cold down there. As far as the vegetables you had tonight, you can't beat them. Salad, unbelievable. The salad was found in Laramie, Wyoming, in a museum and defrosted with a mastodon. Those are some of the jokes that I wrote. And I got to tell you, I think that they're grade-A jokes. I don't think a comedy writer in the world could beat me. And I don't know how long it's going to be till someone steals them. But if they do, just be aware of something. They're copyrighted. And I'll sue your butt off. This is The Savage Nation, a one-man show with some of the greatest support in the world. We got Jim Verde on the cymbals, and we got Robert Borowski on the on the vibes. We got Doug Lynn on the clarinet, and we got Karen up there in uh, Pennsylvania on the uh, flute. Be here or be nowhere. This is Michael Savage saying thanks for listening. The Westwood One Podcast Network. 